got to him, I've got so much to thank him for. And I've got so much to thank him for, so much to praise him for. Well, you see, he has been so good to me. When I think of what he's done and where he's brought me from, I've got so much to thank him for. And sometimes while on this way I stop I kneel and say thank you for all you've done for me. Then one day I'll reach heaven's shore. Oh, please let me kneel once more. I've got so much to thank him for. And I've got so much to thank him for, so much to praise him for. Well, you see, he has been so good to me. And when I think of what he's done and where he's brought me from, I've got so much to thank him for. When I think of all he's done and where he's brought me from, I've got so much to thank him for, to thank him Perfect song to, to start my sermon off with. Take your Bible, turn to Ezekiel chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. And we're going to talk about standing in the gap. And you say, well, what's that got to do with thanking him? Because really, it, you know, as child of God, as children of God, we need to be reminded every day of what God has done for us so that we can thank him and, and so that we can do what God has called us to do. Ezekiel chapter 30, 22, verse 30, 22, verse 30, God says, And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. And the sad part was, but I found none. So if you look at this verse and he says, I make up, that the, the word there in, in, in Hebrew was, Gadar, and it means to build up a wall. So God said, I'm looking for somebody to build up a wall. To, to take a stand, he said. And that, ver and that word stand is a mod, and it means to, to remain, to stand. He says, so I want somebody to build the wall up, and then I want them to stay where the wall is. He says, I'm looking for somebody to do that. He said, why? Because... There's a gap, and the word is Perez, and it means a broken wall. He said, there's a broken wall, and I, I need somebody...
to man that to make sure that the enemy does not get through. And this morning, God is calling us, the children of God, to, to, to stand in the gap. Why? Because there are those whose lives that are broken. There are those who have things that are, are falling apart, and they need somebody to stand in the gap for them. Maybe you're the one that's got, you've got issues, you've got problems, and you feel broken. Maybe that person beside you or near you is the one that can stand in the gap for you while you recover. Because let me tell you, when the enemy looks at a wall, he doesn't look and say, well, there's the highest place, there's the hardest place to get through. No, he's going to look for something that's broken. We have, you know, it, we know who it is. You know, let's go ahead and say exactly it's it's this it's Satan, it's the devil, and and you know, uh, Peter gave us the best picture of them, and 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 First Peter chapter four verse eight, where he said, "Be sober, be vigilant." Why? He says, "Because your adversary, the devil, walketh about, seeing who he could make feel happy." No, that's not what it says. It says this: He's walking about seeking whom he may devour. See, he wants to get in. And if you've got something that's caused you to let your guard down, he'll get in. If you're going through problems, let me tell you what happens. And I, I, know, I know it from personal experience. We focus on the problem and forget everything else. That problem starts to consume us. And when Satan sees it, he says, there's my way in. That's how I can get them. Because you, you, you see, let me tell you, he, he is a deceiver. And, and boy, there's sometimes he'll make you think one thing while doing something else. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, and he said, And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. He makes everything look good to start with, but in truth, he, he's not telling the truth. You know, listen, let me, let me share some verses as to what happens to those that get caught up in the darkness or in the lies that this angel of light shares. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 20 through 22, Isaiah said this, He said to the law and to the testimony, If they speak not according to this word, because there is no light in them, and they shall pass through it, hardly beset and hungry. And it shall come to pass that when they be hungry, they shall fret themselves. They shall curse their king, their God, and look upward. And they shall look into the earth and behold trouble and darkness and deadness of anguish. And they shall be driven to darkness. Now, I figured out what amounts to a lot of times is the problem a lot of people have when they're going through an issue is they listen to the wrong thing. Oh, it might sound good. And that's what Satan does. He makes it sound good. He makes it pretty. This is the answer to the problem you're going through. <coughs> and he deceives many people that way. And see, now, now let me tell you, I'm going to tell you who I'm talking about. I'm talking about Christians a lot of times. We know the world is deceived, but there are Christians who become deceived because they think with their mind and not with the heart and with what's in their heart should be God. They're not focusing on the right things. 
They don't get into the Word of God. You know why? Because you can get in there and you find verses that make you wrong. And when you don't want to be told that you're wrong, you don't want to be told you need to repent, you don't want to be told that the problem in your life is sin and you need to get rid of it. So when that happens, Satan uses this and he starts saying, has people say, well, it's okay. It's this way. It's that way. And you get deceived. That's why he's so good at what he does. He's got all the right tools. And you see, so, and it's so easy, it could be any one of us. You know, it wouldn't be me, not me, well, not you, preacher. Yes, it could be any of us because Satan knows exactly how to get to you. He ain't been in this business just from yesterday. He's been into it for a long time. It's amazing. He ain't really changed his tactics none. Why? Because they work. I mean, if we look at what he did with Adam and Eve, and, and, and he, he got Eve so confused, and she was trying to be, to be bold and be right, but she, she was deceived. And then, of course, Adam just went right along with it. Why? Because, as he told God, that woman you gave me. See, God could have started over, but no, Adam went ahead and just jumped on in. See, it doesn't take much. And you think, Adam walked with God in the garden physically every day. So it doesn't take much. And it's so sad that, that basically in these verses, Isaiah reminds us that when people don't have light and don't have a dawn to come to, they wander around in darkness. And when you do that, you become hardened. You become angry. I mean, have you ever become angry at God because of something you're going through? You ain't got to raise your hand. I'll do it for you because I know we've all been there. And that's when the deceiver hits. Not only is he a deceiver, but he's a destroyer. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 44, he says, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You know, this liar lies to us, and he lies to those that are in problem. You ever realize he does lie to the church too, and we believe it? How many of you ever looked at a situation and said, well, there ain't no hope for that. They're on their own. They, they got their self in there. They'll just have to get their self out. So we get angry. We get upset. But here in our verses, we got to realize God was looking for someone to stand in that gap to basically to build up the wall. And let me tell you what you as a child of God can do. You can build up a wall, uh, that hedge of protection that, that, God, that, the, that, excuse me, that Satan described in Job chapter 1, verse 10, listen to this. He says, Hast thou not made a hedge about him and his house, and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hand, the substance that is increased by the land. And you, you realize that God protected Lot. And let me tell you, when you build up a hedge of protection through prayer around somebody who maybe is going through something, or they're struggling because of something, 
you need to be standing in the gap for them. As a child of God, we're, we're directed to stand in the gap. God said, I'm looking for somebody. Don't let him look at you and say, but I could find nobody. We need to pray. Our tool to fix this wall, our tool to stand in the gap is prayer. And, and so God's calling us to stand in the gap. Church, he's calling us to stand in the gap for people we don't even know. How many of you are concerned about the lost in America? About the direction this country's at? I heard a guy this morning on TV and he said it best. He says, it ain't the White House that's going to fix this nation. It's the church house. But the problem is the church house ain't getting on their knees. And we ain't praying for a lost and dying nation like we ought to. We need to, to, to pay, pray with purpose. As Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he said this. He says, how's thou not made a... Oh, never mind, I just totally got the wrong verse there. Wrote down, let me flip over. I copied the same one over. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. He says, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks... Be made for those who you like. No, it says for all men. Paul told Timothy, he said, Timothy, you're a young pastor, you're a young man, and I want you to tell the church that you're to pray and you're to lift them up, you're to make supplications, you're to make intercessions for all men. It doesn't matter if you like them. It doesn't matter if you don't can't stand them, what they're doing. You know, you might have an next-door neighbor and say, I just can't stand my next-door neighbor. Have you prayed for your next-door neighbor? We, we need to be praying with purpose. Why? Because we're directed to pray for all men, for everybody. Listen, you want to know how you do it? In, in Philippians chapter 6, I mean chapter 4, verse 6, Paul said this. He said, be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. He said, don't get upset about things. Just pray. If we would do that, we'd be in a whole lot better. You know, if I would do that, I'd be in a whole lot better shape. I'd let things quit bothering me as much. But see, I know we're all human and things bother us. And it's like, oh, I don't like this. I don't like that. But guess what? We're commanded by God to pray about. Have you took the problem that you're facing or the thing that you don't like and prayed about it? We're supposed to. Paul said in every situation we should be praying. Now I found out, I figured out something when I, as I, I thought about that verse. I said, you know, our prayers are useless unless we're useful. You realize that? Unless, if there's something in your life that is hampering your prayer, listen, in Isaiah chapter 59, verse 2, it says, but your iniquities, y'all know what iniquities is? It's sin. But your sins have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. It's not, and I want you to listen to what he said. He said, has hid his face from you. He's not hiding from you, but your sins are between you and him. You're more or less like Adam hiding in the bush. 
Oh, here he comes, Eve. Hide. Here he comes, Eve. Put on these fig leaves. Here he comes. I'm going to duck behind this thorn bush over here. Maybe he won't see me. You wonder why your prayers aren't effective? Because there's something between you and God. Now you can, you can do like Adam did and said that woman that you gave me and try to justify, but let me tell you, I'll go ahead and tell you this, we're all sinners. And every day, let me ask you a question, do you repent of the sins in your life? Because if you're not, it's like you're building a brick wall between you and God, not around other people to protect them, this is just to keep God away from you because it's so much easier to wallow in the pig pen than it is to go back to the Father. And, and we, we need to realize what God is calling us to do. We need to be closer to Him. He's not hiding. Remember, you are. When we, we try to, let, let, listen, we try to justify. Paul told the church in Galatians, Chapter 5, verse 4, he says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. So there was a group in the church that was saying, but the law said we should do this. Now let me tell you, we don't use that excuse anymore. We just go, but what Steve wants, what Steve wants, and we try to justify why we do it. You know, that's like, that, that's like going to the doctor and he told you to lose weight and you walk in there and you gain 10 pounds and and he says and you say but it was christmas and everybody had cookies oh, and, and i i just couldn't be rude i found that don't fly you know uh what you need is somebody like julie just come by and slap that out of your hand so you can't have that no more let me tell you, the Holy Spirit's trying it, but you're hiding over here. See, God says we try to justify why we do things wrong. The Galatians were trying to use the law because, oh, hey, the law said, no, but grace says. The law said an eye for an eye, but grace says love your neighbors. Love them who hate you. Love them who despitefully use you. That's a hard thing to do. So God is saying, quit justifying your sins and repent of your sins. You know, everybody ought to, we ought to, we ought to drop to our knees and repent today. In, in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, John said this. He says, if we say we have no sin, listen to this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us that does not have sin in their life. Now, what we tend to do is look, well, I'm not as bad as so-and-so. Yes, you are, because you just justified and tried to make yourself sound good. Now, now, let me go a little further. And he said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. They get that? God said, it does not matter. I'll forgive you of your sins. But John goes a little further than that. He says, when you confess those sins, when you bring them out into the open before God, he says he'll forgive, but also this, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
So that sin that's got you dirty and, and, and like, like the, the prodigal son in the pig pen, he'll clean you up. You know, I've always wondered when the prodigal son come to himself there when he's eating beside that old pig, did he stop and take a bath before he ran to daddy? He couldn't change clothes because he had done lost everything. See, but the father says, don't worry. I'll bring a new robe. I'll give you the best when you confess. But you've got to confess. You've got to quit justifying. Yeah, it, 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 it's like this. Hey, I've sinned, but I read my Bible. You must not be reading at all. You, you're whiting out the, the parts that are trying to get to you, just reading the, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthen me. I can do all the promises that it says. You're not reading the part where it says repent. You're not reading that part that says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. You, you, you forgot, you said, well, he forgives me my sins. It says that. It says, but you got to confess it. You know what happens when you confess it? You're repenting of it. You're turning away from you don't just say you do it now there are people who will tell you they'll confess their sins but when you actually confess them before god there's a desire to repent and not do them again so he said now let me go let me go a little further because I, I i like how 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 john did this he tells you how to get out of it then he reminds you if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. You know, the problem with a lot of Christians is we make God a liar because we look at everybody else and we forget to look in the mirror. There, there needs to be the purpose of your prayers. Let me ask you a question. When you pray, what's the motivation behind your prayers? You know, it, it should be that every living creature, you know, we ought to realize that we have the ability to come to him. The motivation should be the fact that God has blessed us of, of everything that's on this planet, you and me. Mankind are the only one who have the right to go to him. Not only do we have the right to go to him, but listen to how it said we can do this. L listen to this. You want motivation to pray? Then you need to realize what you have. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. The writer said, he said, we ought to realize that Jesus, who we say is our Savior, the Son of God, we need to realize that. And if you've said you're a child of God, that you've asked him into your heart, you need to hold on to that. Where it says, for verse 15, for we are not a high priest that cannot be touched with feelings of our infirmities, but it was all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He said, listen, all that sin you got in your life, 
You can't say God doesn't understand because he does. He was tempted too. People say, but he was God. You're going to spend 40 days in the desert without eating. I don't care who you are. You're going to be hungry. It was a supernatural fast, yes, but it went beyond anything that a mortal man could do. And that mortal body was hungry. At his weakest, he's tempted by the same individual who can tempt you and you fall every time. So we, we, we can't say that, hey, when we pray, we don't have somebody who doesn't understand. But then we can do this. We can, in verse 16, let us therefore. This ought, you ought, you ought, this ought to get every one of us a little excited. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You, you want to stay in the gap, realize you have the ability to go to the source, to the Father, and you can boldly come. Why? Because you are a child of God. Your sins were paid for on the cross. Your sins were, were washed away. As long as you don't have sins, you're not confessing to God. Hey, let me tell you, you can boldly come. But I tell you, I'll tell you a secret. If you got sins in your life, you're not boldly want to come before the throne of God because when you come before the throne of God boldly, it, it's like a mirror to start with. You see everything you do. I have found that when I'm really serious about God and I get on my knees, God reminds me of who I am, what I've done. Yeah, I, you ought to start every prayer. Lord, forgive me. I, I'm just, a, I'm a, I am nothing. Paul said he was a chief sinner. That's because I hadn't been born yet. And I know that. When I get serious with God, when I mean business with God, I want to be true and as pure as I can when I boldly come before the throne of the living God. I want to have purpose in my prayers. Not only do we need to have purpose in our prayers, but there needs to be a little more passion in our prayer. You know the problem with all of us and, and Christians today is, is microwave popcorn. It's quick, it's easy, it's done. If you don't do it right, it burns. Well, don't matter. We can get another bag and try it again. We, we don't have passion anymore. We read God's Word and we just kind of look at it. Well, okay. We can read 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19. It doesn't move us any. As Paul said, he said, rejoice evermore. You know, yeah, I, I, one of these days, I'm going to put a mirror up here. All the way across the front. That, that, that you see yourself. Some of us, we never rejoice. You never smile. You sing songs like it's killing you. And, and, and I understand you have to listen to me sing, so that probably is killing you. But it shouldn't matter. The Bible doesn't say have a great voice. It said make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So sing. You say, well, I can't sing in tune. It does not matter. Sing loud and just be joyful about it. God gave you the breath to do it. We ought to rejoice. Why? Because, hey, let me tell you, you ain't got nothing else to rejoice about. You ain't going to hell if you're a child of God. That ought to make it put a smile on everybody's face. So he says rejoice 
evermore. Then he says something we don't do, pray without ceasing. You know, it doesn't mean walk around with your head bowed and your eyes closed. Have the attitude of prayer at all times. Realize that the God you pray to is indwelled in your heart. He's there all the time with you. That ought to make you rejoice. God's never far. He's always near. We think about that. We would pray without ceasing. Because he's there. He can read your mind. So if you, you ought to rejoice, be happy, and stay that way. All right, let me go a little further. Rejoice evermore. And listen to the next one. I like how he did He says, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. It's like the psalmist Liz saying, how many of us give thanks? You want to have powerful prayers? Be a thankful person. God, thank you. We'll say, well, Steve, I, I got things going on in my life. Be thankful you got a life to have them going on in. You know what I mean? It could be the other way. You could be standing and say, well, I wish I had more time. Because he says, get that. Listen to this. He says, for, for this, you know, in all these little short verses, this is the longest one. He said this, get thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Jesus Christ concerning you. God wants you to be thankful. And then he says this. I, 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 I started to end there, but then I thought of this, the last part of the verse. Quench not the Spirit. You want to have powerful prayers? Quit being a sourpuss to the Lord and quit quenching the Spirit with the attitude that most of us have. I heard a song when I was doing this, and I was in between writing, and it was a song by Lauren Daigle come on. And it said in there, one little section, it's called Dry Bones. And it says, we call out to dry bones, come alive. Let me. So maybe that's what you ought to do this morning. Stop and say, Lord, hey, I'm tired of having passionless prayers. I want to be passionate when I'm talking to you. Help me to come to life. Here, let me ask you a question. How much time do you devote to prayers? How much time? I mean, you know, I know we all pray for our food. And it's real quick. It's real, oh, Lord, bless me. Thank bless this food. And, and we always all go to it when, when we want some. But how much time of the day? You got 24 hours a day. How much of that do you give to God? You know, it, 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 it's amazing. You know, we, we know the verse of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, where it says, to everything, there is, to, e to everything there is a season, a time, and a purpose unto heaven. So, well, well, preacher, I got all this, I got that, I got this, I got that, I got this. Well, I ask you, how much of it do you give to God? I, I, I did something the other day. And, man, you want to talk about something that's humbling? Write down in a day what you did during the time. Then go back and look and see, did you give God any of it? How much time did you pray? I did. I was ashamed and disgusted with myself. You know, the, we ought to think now, we ought, we ought to do this. Paul said this. He said in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16, he says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We ought to be paying attention to how much time we got and what we're doing with it because of the, the, the world we live in today, the, the evil that's all around us. Do you want to have some passion? Say, Lord, get us out of here. Come quickly.
You know, uh, John ended Revelation with, come Lord quickly, we ought to end the same way. Lord, come on, get us. How much effort do you put in your prayers? Paul said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, whatsoever you do, do it heartily. As to the Lord and not unto men. And I said, man, Paul, evidently you ain't been around a bunch of Baptists anymore because we don't do a lot hardly to anything for you. God, how much, when you pray, is it quick and fast and done? Or do you spend some time talking to the one who died for you? And listen, listen, why you, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10, to this, and whatsoever your hand findeth to do it, do it with all their might. When you pray, do it with all your might. Listen, for there is no work, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave where thou goest. You got to you take your last breath here. How, how passionate are you going to be for God? How much thought do you put into your prayers? You know, be careful about it because sometimes we pray and our emotions take over. How many of you ever get pray when you're mad? Anybody beside me? The Lord let him get hit by a bus and die. Oh, come on. You know, you've said stuff like that. Anger and, and emotions. You're sad. Well, poor pitiful me. You know, uh, that's why God put the, the verse in James that he said in James 5, 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So we need to be as righteous as we can, be where God wants us so that we can pray like we ought to. I, I figured out he even told you how to do to become that righteous man whose prayer of fervent. And Paul did it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If we would spend more time thinking about God and focusing on God, these thoughts, these problems, these hurts these feelings we could bring into captivity and when we go to god and pray we'd be serious about what we're praying about god hey i got some issues me and you've talked about it you've helped me help get control of them because let me tell you something you got anger issues with somebody you can't fix it you got hurt issues with somebody you can't fix it you got you you're sad about something you can't fix it there's only one that can and that's jesus christ and the only way you're gonna do it is to go to him and be truthful and say lord help me to bring into captivity these thoughts of anger these thoughts of hurt whatever they are that i might not be controlled by them but them and me and you can pray about it so i can pray for others that i can stand in the gap well i cut this a little shorter than i want i, I, I start to do this in two sermons but i couldn't get it far enough one and big enough in the other now i want to share the last one we need to pray with praise you ought to be thankful for what you got the bible says in psalms 96 verses Verse 3 through 4 says, Declare his glory among the heathen, 
his wonders work for all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Now, you know, when you pray, people ought to know something's going on. You ought to be the kind of person that, hey, one, you ought to be joyful you're talking to God, the creator of the universe, allows you to talk to him, and you should say, Lord, hey, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a privilege. It is a wonder. Do people even know your child? How many of you go to a restaurant and hide? Wait, waitress has turned her head. Quick pray. Go take the food. They didn't see. She'll wait. Pray for her. Pray for him. The Lord bless this person, bring them, they're bringing you your food. Be thankful for it. Be a child of God. Be pray. You know, praising isn't just singing. It is the attitude of gratitude. We praise when we come to the, before the Lord. We praise. Let, 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 listen to this. Let, listen. In First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verse fifteen, says this. It says this. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit. I will pray. With understanding. I will sing with the Spirit and I will sing with understanding. Let me tell you this praying and praising go hand in hand. I mean, who would you rather have pray for you? Somebody that's happy or somebody that looks like they've been sucking on lemons, eating dill pickles? We ought to be thankful. We need to be happy because God has called us, He's called you, He's called me to stand in the gap for other people. You need to, to pray and stand with his, in his power, not yours. Because 1 Corinthians 6, 14, For God has raised both up the Lord and will also raise us up by his own power. Do you get that? You ain't got no power. God does it. He'll raise you up. Stand strong in the promises he got, gives you. Psalms 34.10 says this, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want of anything good. You hear, man, when we seek God, God's going to make sure you got what you need. So when you pray, hold fast to the prayers, the promises. God promised you salvation. He promised you heaven. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, I'm not going to take you to where you can, can't handle problems. God never promised you it was going to be easy. There is, no ver there is no verse in the Bible says that God will never put more on you than you can handle. That is a lie of the devil. Quit believing it. Quit claiming it. Whatever you do with it, it is a lie. Because why? God says there's nothing you can handle, but he can handle everything. And let me tell you, when you're a child of God, you're going to stand on the wall. And that wall might fall. It might crumble. But somebody can lift you up in prayer. Somebody ought to. Why? Because you're a child of God. You know somebody who's going through something hard. Lift them up. They might not, they, they might not ever even appreciate it. But let me tell you, it's what you should do. Why? Because, hey, if it wasn't for the grace of God, that could be you. Stand in the gap. In his power, stand in the gap in his promise, stand in the gap, edifying and building one each other up. Paul said in First Thessalonians five eleven, he said, "Wherefore comfort yourself together, edify one another." Edify means to lift up. I'm gonna tell you why you called to stand in the gap. 
Let me read the verses to you. Verse 30 I read. Where it says, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me before the land that I should not destroy it. But I found none. Therefore I have poured out my indignation upon them and I have consumed them with fire by my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their head, saith Lord God. God said, hey, I will do what I have to do to get their attention. And it might destroy them. If I have to take them out, I'll take them out. Because I love them. So Christian, pray for those who are, are weak and are hurt. Pray for those who are beside you because you don't know what they're going through. Stand in the gap for everyone you can because hey, God could be saying, I'm about done with them. I've tried. The only thing I got left is to bring them home. That sounds cruel, but that's also loving. God would rather pull you out than leave you in the sin. But you know what's bad? I've seen Christians who've gotten back out in the world and because of hurt and anger, they stayed. They're still seeking. And let me tell you, I've been there. I got mad and I ran. I tried to fill the void that was in my heart with everything I could. But God never left me. Somebody stood in the gap for me. One day I'll find out who it was that prayed for me. I don't, do not know. But God kept me. And he gave me a second chance. And I praise God for that because if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be where I am today. I was saved, but I got back out in the world. you to pray pray purpose pray with passion pray with praise because you can every head bowed every eye closed heavenly father as we come to you this morning as we boldly approach that throne of grace father there are those who need our prayers father help us to, to have purpose when we're on our knees some of us need to come clean to you we've been straddling the fence we've been halfway doing what we should Lord help us to sell out to you give us passion again Father, a church that's passionless, a Christian that's passionless is a dried husk. Bring life back to our dry bones so that we might sing forth your praises. Have your way in this invitation. In the Lord's name I pray. Amen. As you stand to your feet as we sing page 124, the altar is open. 124.
another verse but then I decided and if you're not ready to do what God wants you to do then you need to be on your knees where you're at before you leave this building so I pray that you are where God wants you to be and that you can pray with purpose and passion because if you can't you need to tear down that wall that you've built up between you and God and the only way to do that is quit justifying and start crying out couple of verses God's been bringing back to my heart in the last couple, like Psalm 40, where David said, I cried unto the Lord. He inclined to me. David didn't have the Lord inclined to him to pick him up out of that miry clay until he cried. And then God picked him up out of the miry clay. Not only did he pick him up, but he set him on a firm foundation and showed him the way to go. See, until you make up your mind that you want God first in your life, it never will be. And that's the problem with a lot of people in church today. Is, well, preacher, I got a lot going on. Well, we all do. But one day, he's coming to get us. And that day is soon. I hope you're ready. Y'all come visit us on Wednesday night. We're doing Bible study in the book of Ephesians on chapter 4. We're doing that also in Sunday school here in the, in the auditorium. We start at 9 o'clock in the auditorium. Y'all come join us. We, sometimes we stay on verse. Sometimes we start talking about other things, and we, we'll chase a rabbit, and we'll have a good time chasing that thing. Y'all come and join us on that if you can. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful week. Wayne, will you close us in prayer this morning? Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the day that you give us today, God.